Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. As a community, we are learning the way of Jesus and serving our city. Redemption Hill is kind of different. We are a collective of micro churches that gather together on Sundays to grow and connect and worship. So don't wait anymore. Join us Sundays at Boise Friends Church in the gym at 10.30 a.m. and get connected to the community you need in this season of your life. All the details you need are at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the training and teaching time from this week's gathering. Stay tuned after the sermon for more info on how to get connected. Well, good morning. I am Cindy Shively. I know a lot of you. Norm and I started attending here at Redemption Hill just a couple weeks before the pandemic hit. So some of you we got to know online and others we've now gotten to know in person and just are so grateful to be here. Uh, Norm and I have been married a little over six years. Both of us lost our spouses previous to that and uh, we're just grateful for the gift of one another and uh, God's goodness and, and grace and mercy and all that. And then in about 2018, we decided to retire, Norm, from being a urologist. I was a pastor and also a marriage and family therapist, over, both over in Yakima. And uh, then in, about a year later, we decided to move to Boise. Uh, both of us had daughters who had ended up here and their families and grandkids, some of you have seen running around this morning. Um, so that was the draw that drew us here, as well as obviously just the Lord, and we are grateful to be here and enjoying Idaho. And one thing that really drew us to Redemption Hill, Norm and I in the last, for the last year or so have been really learning and growing and focusing on what, what is God's kingdom and how does God really transform us? How, does he, how do we really become more like Jesus, more the people that he has created us to be when he thought of making humans. And we've been doing a, a thing called the School of Kingdom Living through Dallas Willard Institute. And it's been fun and work and challenging at times, but really a way to get to know. So when we came here and realized that that was the same emphasis that Robert was preaching and people were really trying to figure out how do we live in the way of Jesus? How do we really not just say the right words, but really live and really allow, really invite God to transform us, to change us, and, and to, to work on that together? And that's what we saw happening here and really what made us stay here. So this fall, we've been looking at the idea of imago, the idea that we are created in God's image, really to be like God. Now, we're not to be God's, but we're to be like God in our ability to love, in our ability to be in community, to be in relationship. Uh, to, and the other things we've looked at this fall are our ability to be generous and kind and, and show justice and forgive all the things that, that God has created us to do. And, you know, God never forces any of these things on us, but he just invites us to be in relationship with himself, with, with the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in, in community with each other. And really only when we choose to, to live the way that Jesus has shown us how to live, do we really find meaning and purpose and significance and peace and even joy, satisfaction, because that's how we're created to live. So together with each other, we're learning the way of Jesus, and today, specifically, we get to look at 
how did we how do we pray the way Jesus prayed? You know, and what and what do we learn about our heavenly Father because of what Jesus prayed, and how does that impact how we talk to our heavenly Father? You know, God, as I mentioned, there was this trinity, you know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they existed before time began, before creation, and they communicated. So that's another reason why we want to look at how did Jesus communicate with his Father. Well, communication is so important. I mean, everybody knows that. Uh, I was thinking of this time when I was in college, and I got to spend about six months over in Austria. And I was learning German, you know, I, I never really was fluent in German, but learned a bunch, and enough to kind of get by and have conversations. And we also got to do a lot of traveling, so one day it was kind of near, toward the end of our stay there, and I hadn't gotten to see Rome yet. So, you know, in those days you had these Eurail passes, you could hop on a train, so I decided, no, but apparently no one else wanted to go because I went by myself. So I, I get on a train, and you take a night train, so you have one less night you have to pay for. You wake up the next morning wherever you want to be. So I wake up in Rome, and I find a place to stay for the next couple days and start to explore. And I don't remember exactly all the details, but somehow I ended up meeting this guy from Italy who happened to also speak German, because I didn't speak Italian either, so, but we were speaking German. And he wanted to show me around. He had a moped. He said, oh, I can take you to the Coliseum or whatever. So I thought, oh, okay, sure, you know. Not very smart, but, you know, I was only 20, what, what can you say? Uh, so so I, we get there, and then another one of his friends joins us, but this friend, who's also Italian, doesn't speak any German, so we didn't really have any way of communicating other than through the other guy. And, but for some reason, the guy who spoke German left for a while. I think he was just, I think he was saying, I'm going to be back, but, but I realized I'm left with this guy and we can't communicate. I mean, he doesn't know any English or German. I don't know any Italian. And he might have had really good intentions and been a nice guy, but I decided I'm not sticking around to find out. So I just sort of took off and, you know, did my own thing, which I don't think he was very happy, but oh well. I mean, there, you know, when you can't communicate, there is, there's nothing. There's no trust. There's no understanding. There's really no relationship. And you know, when you think for a minute, about your closest relationships, okay? It could be a friend, it could be a husband or a wife, it could be a parent or a child. What is the role of communication in your relationship? Just throw it out. What's the role of communication? Understanding. Understanding. That's huge. Yeah, if we can't communicate, we have no idea who that other person is. Anything else? What else does, does communication do? Resolves conflict on a good day. <laughs> Sometimes it creates conflict. <laughs> it eludes confusion. Yeah, I mean, because think for a minute. What would it be like if you tried to have a good friend or a marriage and you couldn't communicate? You just had to sort of hope they would figure out what you were thinking. How would that go? Probably not very well. I mean, probably there'd be a lot of guessing, a lot of being wrong, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger. I mean, it'd be a little bit like that, that guy in Italy where it's like, there's just nothing, you know, I'm done, I'm out of here. Uh, so communication is vital in all of our relationships. You know, and, and, we, and not only is communication vital in our relationship with one another, but also with God. And that's really what prayer is all about. Prayer is the means God has given us to develop this interactive, ongoing, growing relationship with him. 
You know, and Jesus' followers had observed that he was pretty good at talking to his father and hearing from his father, Father God. And so they asked him one time in Luke 11, they said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus follows with what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And we see that not only in Luke 11, but we're actually going to look at the Matthew 6 version uh, just because it's a little bit longer of this version of the Lord's Prayer. And we've been reading from the New Living Translation this, this fall and, and for a while, so it's a, just a little uh, clearer version. But it, it'll, it's a little different probably than the way you learn the Lord's Prayer uh, and maybe the way you, you say it or use it in your life. But I think it's helpful to just see a new way of saying that. So let's go ahead and look at our passage from Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. Jesus is saying, he's teaching here, and he says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is God's word for us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being a God of love. Everything you do and everything you are is about love. And thank you for being a God of relationships, a God who wants to communicate with us all the time. Thank you that your word is a way of that, but also your spirit. So, Lord, would you teach us now by Jesus' example and by your spirit more about what this communication, what prayer looks like for us. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I'm indebted to a couple different authors today. One is uh, James Bryan Smith. Some of you are familiar with his Good and Beautiful God. The subtitle of that is Falling in Love with the God Jesus Knows. So it's really who is Jesus from, or who is God from Jesus' perspective. And then another book, Dallas Willard's book, Divine Conspiracy, subtitled Rediscovering Our Hidden Life in God. So a variety of the ideas that I'd be sharing today are, are from one or them, one or both of them. But Jesus tells us to begin our prayer by addressing God as Father. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, we've been invited into relationship, that community with God, and we've been essentially, when we say, yes, I want to be a part of that, we get adopted into God's family. So we literally are his spiritual children. He is our heavenly father. And as a father, he's available to us, just like a healthy earthly dad would be. And he wants to communicate with us. Remember how in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had sinned, and it says God walked in the cool of the day, it really was as their custom. He would... They, he would he spent time walking and talking with them, and it was just a normal part of their relationship. And, that, and he longs that same for us. You know, Dallas Willard goes so far to say that when you look at Scripture and you see how God communicates, God is really a chatty God. 
I mean, it seems kind of funny, but he really wants to communicate with us. And just another little aside about God as Father. You know, for some people, uh, thinking of God as Father is, is difficult. And it's usually because they've had, you know, their earthly father has either been unloving or distant or maybe even abusive. And they take their understanding of an earthly father and project it onto God. You know, I remember that people were particularly sensitive to this when I was in seminary about 35 years ago. And, and so there was kind of this push to not, try not to use the, the word father when you're talking about God. And so there was creator and redeemer and sustainer and all these great descriptions of God. But they were unintentionally kind of, I think, made us miss out on the fact that God, more than anything, desires that intimate personal relationship of a heavenly father. And so instead of abandoning the idea of God as Father, I wish then that we had been able to do what I think I'm trying to do now, is letting Jesus define Father. And, and that's one of the things we get to see even in his Lord's Prayer. Because you know, when you think about it, if the Trinity was there from before time, before creation, so you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they were the ones who had the first father-child relationship. Not Adam and his children, not humans. So we don't want to take our human relationships and project it onto God. We want to ask, what, what does God say a father is? What does Jesus say a father is? And that also helps not only our understanding of God, but even what prayer is all about. What, what do we pray about? So just before Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, he reminds us that prayer, and even the Lord's Prayer, is not designed to be this just repetitive, formulaic thing that you just say and you're done without even thinking about it. Uh, it really, as Dallas Willard says, instead we learn to use the words given to him, or given by him, I'm sorry, by Jesus, to speak intelligently and lovingly to our Heavenly Father, with whom we are engaged in a common life. So it's, it's, it's more, and Bob, you were talking about this a few weeks ago, that it's really more like a framework or a foundation that kind of guides us in who we pray to, how we pray, the kinds of things we can pray for. And, and that, that's what I'm hoping that we'll have a better understanding of today. So the Lord's Prayer begins, actually, with some thoughts and requests that help us really understand who is God and how does he relate to the world and to us. And so Jesus begins, our Father in heaven. So he addresses God, our Father in heaven. Now, I don't know what your understanding of that is, but, you know, I remember, I, I think I learned this Lord's Prayer when I was about three years old. I don't actually remember, but that's what I've been told. So, but I'm sure I didn't have any idea, really, what I was saying. You know, now that when about the time that I started having some idea or some understanding, when I thought of our Father in heaven, to me, heaven was a place that was far away and hopefully far off. You know, wasn't going to come, come too soon. Um, so, which, but when you think about that, so then what's your view of God? That God is far away and far off, kind of distant, not really there. But the, but the reality is that when Jesus first preaches in Matthew chapter 4, he says the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's not far off. And in Jewish understanding, actually, heaven doesn't refer to some faraway place. It actually refers to the, the atmosphere right immediately surrounding us. It's literally the air we breathe. 
Okay, so when Jesus is saying our Father in heaven, he's not saying a God way far off. He's saying God who is right here with us, right present, closer than we can even imagine. So we don't have to hope, well, gosh, when I pray, I, I hope somehow my prayers get, don't just bounce off the ceiling, but somehow figure out where God is and get to him. They don't have to. He's right here. He hears before we even speak. He is, he is eager and ready to, to hear us. He is present with us. And we're, one of the things that James Bryan Smith does in his book is when he talks about the Lord's Prayer is he describes it with five Ps. So if you're a person who likes things to help you remember easily, the first P is that God is present. Okay, He's right here with us. He's always near us. So that's what the address is about. Second thing, he says, May your name be kept holy. So this is really the first request, and he's, he's asking that his name be somehow held in high regard, be uniquely revered and respected. And, you know, I mean, in our culture, names are important. I mean, we think about what we want to name our kids and that, but it's, it's not quite the same. It seems a little odd to, well, why would you keep a name holy or revered? But when, but when you think about the Hebrew culture, a name was not just a title. It was really the essence or being of, of who a person is. Uh, and in fact, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, God's, the name of God was so revered they couldn't even say it. Um, and, and they had a hard time even describing it. You know, when, when Moses was sent by God to Pharaoh and he has talking to God and he says, well, who should I tell him is sending me? You remember what he says? Let's tell him that I am has sent you. And that's, that's kind of this, this Hebrew word, but it's just like, whoa, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it's like this essence, it's being, it's, it's not really hardly even a name. But so really, the idea here is that to keep God's name holy or valued or highly regarded is really keeping God highly valued, treasured and loved, you know, more important, more valued than anything or anyone else in our life. That's, that's really what this, this request is. Help us to keep you more important than anything else in our lives. And God alone is good. God alone is holy. God alone is pure. He's the only one really worthy of being worshipped and revered. And so the P that uh, Jim Smith uses is God is pure. God is pure. So we have God is present. God is pure. Then we move to, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you recall, and what we've been learning, and you've been learning for several years, is that God's kingdom, which Jesus announced, is already available to us, at least at some level. You know, Mark 1, 14 and 15 says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here was the good news. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and if you remember, repent isn't about so much about saying sorry for your sins as it is changing the way you think, rethinking your thinking, and believe, believe the good news. And believe isn't just intellectual assent, it's really acting on it, you know, living as if it were true. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, some people describe it as the range of God's effective will. I like a better description. It's even, it's where what God wants to happen actually happens. Where God wants to happen, actually, what he wants to happen actually happens. 
And so that means, you know, it's, it's when we partner with God to bring about his kingdom, we're living in such a way to bring the way of God, to bring God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's hope, uh, God's goodness, God's justice, you know, God's generosity, God's kindness, all the things we've been looking at, the way of Jesus, right here to earth. And the kingdom, he says, is near. That means it's, it's here in partiality. It won't be fully complete until Jesus returns. But meanwhile, we get to help bring that kingdom into more and more reality right here on earth. And, you know, the, part of the reality is our earth currently has other kingdoms. You know, we're not very good at thinking about kingdoms because, we, you know, we live in a democracy. We don't have kings. But really, a kingdom is just anything that has power or influence in our world. So it could be cultures, governments, workplaces, schools, and the media. Uh, a kingdom might be our family, you know, my, my little domain, my castle. It might be myself. You know, I think we think we have some power over ourselves, which hopefully we do. So we, we get to have a say in who we are and how we live and how we respond to God. So when we're asking for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, in a sense we're asking for all of the, any earthly kingdom or power or influence that isn't what the same as what God's would be, that it would either be displaced by God or that somehow God's rule would invade those places and transform them through God's love to be more what he intended to be, to be how people would relate to one another, how this world, how he designed it. You know, and that, that is our hope. But it also really starts with us as individuals. It's really, you know, inviting God, may your will be done in me. And as I transform and become more like Jesus, and then it spreads to my family, my church family, our community, and hopefully throughout the world. Uh, so it really is a, a loving transformation. But, it, but we're also inviting God to be the king, the ruler, the one with the power, because we can't just, we don't just transform by trying harder. It really takes God's power at work in us and through us to help bring that kingdom. And so the word that James, Jim Smith uses is God is powerful. That's the third piece. So we've got, he's present, he's pure, he's powerful. Well, then Jesus moves on from the, kind of these more general requests and who he is and how the world works, what his hopes are, to some specific requests, which make us realize God cares intimately about each one of us and all of our needs, whatever they might be. He cares about the, the things that we care about. And so the, the, what he says first is to give us today the food we need. Okay, most of us learned, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And in some ways I, I like that a little bit better because I think bread biblically is a little broader context. I mean, you think of Jesus even used bread to describe himself. You know, in, in John 6, after he'd fed the 5,000, listen to what Jesus says. He says, For sure I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Well, sir, give us this bread all the time. And Jesus said to him, them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who puts his trust in me will never be thirsty. So essentially, this request is about all of our human needs. You know, not just, I mean, it includes our physical needs. So, you know, food, shelter, clothing, 
uh, health, but it, it's broad, even broader than that, because you know, it includes things like our relationships, our ability to work, our jobs, or you know, anything that we need. Uh, and it includes our spiritual needs, you know, love and, and acceptance by God, forgiveness, um, really all those things. And it includes Jesus himself. He's the bread of life. So, but it, the idea is that God loves to provide, and that's our, our next P is that God provides. Okay. Then we move to the, forg- the idea of forgiveness, more specifically. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this is a pretty simple, straightforward request. God is, we're asking God to forgive us. You know, because, and, and it's so important, it's like its own line in here, because without forgiveness, we really can't have relationship. Because we are going to blow it. We are going to disappoint. We're going to hurt, no matter how great our intentions are. We need the ability to, to forgive, to let that go, to not hold things against people. And thank goodness, thank the Lord, he does not hold our sin against us. He, he's eager to forgive us. He's more eager to forgive us and loves it more than we even long to be forgiven. But he knows that we, we need that restoration with God and with each other. So we're, it's a, a request not only asking to be forgiven, but asking God to help us forgive and the P word that goes along with this is that God pardons. God pardons. So there's your P word if you like those. Uh, <laughs> all right. The last one there is don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Don't let us yield to temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now this is really simply a request saying God Please protect us from all the bad stuff that can happen in our lives. Now, God also promises you're going to have hard stuff in your life. I mean, Jesus says in this world you'll have trouble. You know, we're familiar with that. But he still is a God who wants to, to rescue us and protect us. And, you know, and even though the hard stuff happens, and Scripture, yes, tells us to, you know, be joyful in trials and all those, and that's important, because even as we sang about this morning, you know, what, what Satan intends for evil, God uses for good. So for the person following Jesus, there is no irredeemable harm in our lives. God can redeem or bring good out of even the worst, most painful suffering that we might experience when we are following him and, and seeking to, to, to want what he wants. Um, but... We don't have to pursue suffering. You know, sometimes people will like, ah, you know, I will beat myself. But, you know, God doesn't enjoy our suffering. Uh, he loves us. He wants to protect us. And, and just, I mean, think about it as a, as a parent. If you're a parent and have kids or if you're an uncle or aunt and, you know, love your nieces and nephews, of course you want to rescue them. You, want, you wish they wouldn't have to learn hard lessons. We can't rescue them from everything, but we try to rescue them from some things. We don't let them run out in the street and get hit by a car so they learn not to run out in the street. I mean, so it's, he's inviting us to pray for protection. So and that, that's that last P, is that God protects us, okay? So this is the God, then, that Jesus is inviting us to pray to so look, can you, let's see if you can think of, can you say all those six Ps with me? Okay, God is what? Present, pure, powerful, he provides, he pardons, 
and he protects. Okay, if that's helpful, great. If it's not, you know, toss it out. I don't care. But uh, I think it's, it's for some of us, it really does help us kind of remember that. You know, so Jesus's prayer anyway reveals this loving heavenly Father. You know, who invites us into communication. You know, prayer is fundamentally asking and receiving and living in a relationship where that happens. I mean, if you think about your best friend, you ask them stuff and you receive, given, there's a give and take there. Or hopefully in your marriage, it's that way, if you're married. You know, and prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together. You know, it's asking God questions about, you know, things or situations or people that maybe concern us, and then listening to what God brings to mind. You know, I mean, very rarely does someone actually hear audibly from God, but when we're talking to God and we're asking him questions and a thought comes to mind, you know, as long as it's, we know it's not bad or evil or against anything, Scripture would say it's probably God. Because he is that chatty God who wants to communicate with us. And, and we, we can... That doesn't hurt to kind of make sure, you know, to run it by someone and say, hey, I think I'm hearing this. Does that sound like what God would say? And, you know, probably they'll let you know. Uh, no, I think you're way off. Or, well, or yeah, that, that's possible. That's, uh, God, would you? And maybe sometimes we have to say, Lord, I think you're saying this. Would you confirm that somehow? Would you show me another way that that's really what you're saying? Because I'm not very good at this. not very good at listening and knowing that it's you rather than just me thinking it. Okay. Um, now, we don't have to pray about everything, every little thing we do. I mean, if, if my lawn needs mowing or if there's a household chore that needs doing, I don't have to ask God to, to do that. I can just do it, you know, unless I have a physical impairment, then I might need to ask for help. But if there's stuff we can just do, we just do it. And we could, it doesn't mean we don't do it to God's glory, but we don't have to ask him to mow our lawn for us. I just have to ask, you know, Norm. You just ask Norm, he'll do it. You know? so, <laughs> and I don't even really have to ask, he just does it. So that, that's a gift. So, but, but those are the kinds, so the kinds of things God wants us to talk to him about are the things that aren't in our control. You know, situations, other people. You know, have you, ever, have you learned yet that we can't really control each other? You know, that, that's one that takes us a while to learn. I mean, as, little, as parents of little kids, you try, and the older they get, they realize like, the less control you have, and by the time they're grown, you have very little control. <laughs> but you can still pray, and, and, and you can even ask God, how do you want me to pray? What's going on for this person? You know, or, or you know, those kinds of things. Dallas says, prayer is an arrangement explicitly instituted by God in order that we as individuals... Individual humans may count and count for much. I mean, God wants us to learn to, to do life with him, to, in a sense, reign with him, uh, to help bring about his kingdom. Now, reigning is kind of this idea of having influence, being able to create, to govern, to, to kind of see, to share, co-laboring, in a sense, with God. Uh, and, and, and it's really inviting our story to interact with God's story. It's, it's saying, okay, God, here I am, my, my, my gifts, my talents, my resources, my experiences, my relationships, all that I am, I want to offer that to you. And then to see how he just works together with us and weaves that into something beautiful that helps bring about his kingdom, his goodness, his love, his justice, his hope, his peace, whatever he's trying to do 
in a certain situation or in someone's life, you know, that sort of thing. He loves to just work with us. And our, and pray, our lives matter. You know, he, he didn't just create us to just live on this earth and then be done. And our lives matter. We really get to work together with him, which is really exciting. And prayer matters. You know, we don't totally get how prayer works, but somehow it unleashes God's power. It really, it's part of unleashing the way he works with us. And, you know, there are times in scripture where a person, an individual person's prayer, actually God did something that he wasn't planning to do because a person prayed. A great example happens with King Hezekiah. He was a good king. And this is in 2 Kings 19 and 20. You can read it if you want on your own. But Isaiah was the prophet at the time. And God told Isaiah to go tell King Hezekiah, you're going to die. You know, you're, and Hezekiah has, is like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, he'd seen a lot of answers to prayer in his life as king. And so he essentially weeps bitterly and reasons with God, you know, I need to live longer and all this. So God changes his mind and he sends Isaiah back to him and says, okay, uh, I'm going to heal you and you get to live 15 more years. So he wasn't planning to do that, but because Hezekiah prayed, God did something he wasn't planning to do. And then there's a time that we're maybe more familiar with where we see prayer keeps God from doing something he intends to do. Okay, remember Moses takes the people out of Egypt, all these miracles, and then they just disobey God. And God is angry. He's ready to just wipe them out. He said, I'm going to white kill them all. Start over with you, Moses. We're going to have a new people. And Moses goes, whoa, wait a minute. Reasons with God. You can't do this. And, and he says God changes his mind. And so he doesn't kill the Israelites as he was intending to do. And what's really fascinating about God is God has this amazing ability to be God and achieve the goals, accomplish what he wants to in this world. And yet at the same time, he has some flexibility and can include us and our free will in that whole mix. You know, that, that's a pretty amazing God. You know, who doesn't have to be this controlling, authoritative, you know, making everything go my way. He uses us and our free will and what's on our hearts and our passions and everything we want to see and, and weaves it into what he's already doing, but still accomplishing his ultimate goal of bringing the kingdom. And prayer also is vital in developing our character. I mean, really, the more we talk to God and interact, the more we can kind of see things from his perspective and see what he's doing in our lives or in other people's lives or in a situation. And, and then we can do what he wants us to do. And, and so pretty soon, the more we interact with God, we are becoming more like Jesus, thinking more like Jesus, wanting the same things that Jesus wants, because ultimately God wants to empower us to be the kind of people that he can do whatever we want because he knows that what we want is ultimately what he wants. Now, that, that's pretty cool to think about. Um, and really, it's why God says he can, will give us whatever he asks for. The, the next few verses of Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, 
the door will be opened. You know, God's ways and his timing might not be exactly ours, how he answers prayer, but he's at work. He's, he's, and he wants us to persist. You know, sometimes we think, oh, all I need to do is ask once and God takes care of it. And sometimes that's true. But other times he wants us to persist. Just like in a human relationship, we, if we don't understand somebody, we have to keep asking and keep listening and, and keep working until we actually come to understanding. The same as God wants us to, be, to endure with him and to have patience. And that develops character as well. So God, the God that Jesus revealed is those, really those six things. He's present, he's pure, he's powerful, he provides, he pardons, and he protects. And he wants to be, he's not distant and removed, like we may, if he's up way up in heaven someplace. Heaven's right here. He's intimately involved in our everyday lives. And so prayer is simply God's way of inviting us to be involved with him in bringing his kingdom more and more here on earth. So now, if, if Norm, or he's got his arms full, if somebody else would grab these, I've made, we made some bookmarks, and we just want to pass one out to everybody. They actually have on them a version of the Lord's Prayer that Dallas Willard uses, that he kind of came up with. It will hopefully help you to remember even what we've been talking about today. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer. But for me, it's really helpful to have something that, that makes sense, that reminds me more of what it's actually saying. And then I can use that, kind of like Bob did a, a few weeks ago, to help a, to kind of guide me in how to pray for, for myself, for others, for the world whatever it may be. And sometimes you might just hang out on, on one line for a while. Um, and, and sometimes you might ask God, who do you want me to be praying for? Um, but what I thought I'd do is just kind of walk us through that, kind of pray together. I'll, I'll kind of model how I might do this. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll try to do it when I'm out for a walk or something. And I'm pretty distracted, so I, it might take lots of coming back to it eventually. But, but it, it, it keeps me, it helps keep me more focused anyway. So does everybody have one? Okay. Well, let's pray together. Dear Father, always near us. And actually, you don't even have to say it. I'll just say it and kind of guide you in some prayer here. And, uh, but as we pray this, think about how maybe it's you or maybe someone in your life who really needs to know that God is near you know, who, God, are you bringing to mind for each of us? You know, how do you want me to pray for this person? You know, I, I often will think of maybe a family member, a friend, or somebody who doesn't really think God is near or cares, and, and I'll, I'll pray for that person. Lord, would you somehow help them sense your presence in a very real and tangible way? And then I'll move to, may your name be treasured and loved. And this is a little bit similar for me, because, Lord, there may be people in my life that, that know you and even at some level would say they follow you, but maybe you've kind of slipped off the radar or you just aren't that important to them or you don't seem to be that important to them. And so, Lord, would you 
help this person that you're bringing to mind, or maybe me, to really, truly treasure and love you more than anything else in life. You know, to not be caught up in the values of this world. And then, Lord, may your rule be completed in us, and may your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. And Lord, I usually spend some time here because that transformation is never done. There's always some area that I'm working on. And uh, sometimes it's, Lord, help me to be loving and not judgmental or be patient or, you know, whatever it might be. Be generous, be kind, be forgiving. And Lord, your will, what you do in heaven is what we want to see here on earth. And uh, how do you want me to be praying for this? Is there a particular circumstance in our world where one of those earthly kingdoms, uh, our culture, our government, isn't doing what you would do? And Lord, how how do you want me to pray for that? Would you make what you want to have happen here actually happen? And how do you want to use us in that? And then, Lord, give us today the things we need today. And, Lord, thank you that you are a God who loves to provide. And, Lord, you you know what our needs are, whether it's physical or we know a lot of people needing healing from COVID right now, even long-haul stuff. You just touch and bring your supernatural healing Maybe people that you know who's struggling in a relationship. I mean, it could be really any need here that that the Lord brings to mind. Maybe someone needs a new job or a job or needs help in their job. Um, But Lord, you know what we need. And forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Lord, we are so grateful for your forgiveness of us. And just as as soon as we sin, Lord, just bring it to mind so that we can just offer that to you and ask for help to change. And uh, or you know maybe we don't realize it right away, but as we're thinking back on our day or our week, we realize "Eh, I did not have a good attitude there. Um, Or whatever it is, or just and Lord, you know those places where. We hang on to stuff that other people have done uh, that offend us or hurt us. Would you help us to just let you be God and let, help us to let that go and not hold them somehow responsible to pay us back or make it right, but just to release them to you? And please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad. This is a great one to just pray over your loved ones and you know, look for God's protection, your friends, our community, our world, uh, and, and really even, Lord, our, our world has gone so astray in believing the lies of the evil one that, of what really brings happiness and peace. And we, we pray from deliverance from those lies, that somehow you just 
keep Satan at bay. And then he ends with, because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and the glory too is all yours forever. And the way he says amen, amen is just an agreement which is just the way we want it. Thanks for listening to our weekly podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get them in your podcast feed. You can find ways to connect with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection. Fill out the form for a free gift from us. We care about you and want to help you find your way back to God. Follow at Redemption Boise on Instagram for regular encouragement.